0: Hey, this is Bob Lee, and you're listening to Over the Ball with Kevin Flynn, the world's game from an American perspective.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Over the Ball with Kevin Flynn. Joined as I am every week, the media executive, Grail Hallett, as well as the Over the Ball producer and Syria a specialist, Sam Griswold, the podcast where each week we take on the uh, the world's game, but from an American perspective, how unique. Today on OTB, we check in with the good professor, Stephen Bank. He is the uh, professor, uh, law professor at UCLA. He's a, an expert on the intersection of sports law contracts and negotiations. So he's going to help us make sense of it all, and we're, we're going to talk to the professor about the 59 page reply brief filed by us soccer to the court of appeals uh and the good professor is going to tell us what it all means and what is next where will this case ever end so guys uh, you know we know i mean look i've i've been on this for a while but it appears that the women have given their best shot in what i can only describe as a a disinformation campaign but maybe i'm wrong maybe the professor will set me straight Um, but uh one thing we talk about with the professor is the uh the money from the top down uh the grassroots level uh, gets their money from the top and so it's it's the body hole here that we're sort of dealing with with soccer so i'm currently in connecticut i'm on the road touring with my new one-man play fear of heights in connecticut this week uh where i grew up performing at the drama works theater in old saber connecticut so come on out if uh you're around uh but guys really funny, a bunch of my high school friends, and then a bunch of girls that I knew in high school that I haven't seen in you know 30 years. They came to the show the other night. And then after the show, we go to this kind of dive bar and uh, the, the women all get drunk, all of them. And it's a school night. It's a Wednesday. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm suddenly back in high school babysitting. I'm like, what is going on? So the one girl goes, are you, you okay to drive? She goes, oh yeah, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. So five girls pile into the car. She backs up hits the only other car in the parking lot. I'm like, oh my goodness. And and then one of the other girls was this little tiny little school teacher. She was throwing up. I'm like, what is going on? This is like a time warp. And then I went back to the theater to get my, uh, to get my stuff. And the the theater was locked up. Uh, Security had already come and gone. So I was kind of kind of lost without all my stuff so uh it's it's been a fun run so far two more nights and then uh, i move on i'm on nantucket next week and then sam i'm your neck of the woods, Martha's Vineyard the week after. So at the Vineyard Playhouse. So you had
2: your hot tub time machine experience. It was hysterical. But, you know, look,
1: nobody knows you like your high school friends. They knew who you were before you really were anybody. Like, we're yeah. all so insecure and and uh, just not knowing who we are when we we're in high school that uh, I said to them all, I said, we all lacked empathy. As, a, as high school kids, you lack empathy for what mm other people are going through you know whether people were going through a divorce or you know one guy we were talking about he lost his brother in Vietnam I mean wow that's I, I wish I knew that you know and, and I wish it was more empathetic at the time because uh, that's certainly something that can you were you me. were
2: too worried about your mullet, thing my on. mullet and my soccer, uh, <laughs> my soccer and basketball <laughs> career I,
1: I was yeah, as a basketball player I was just you know just waiting to you know become six two like my father and I just never got past five nine I'm like when is <laughs> it gonna happen now now now, now <laughs> So uh, anyway, um, one of the girls there, she had grown five inches after she graduated from high school. I'm like, what? What about me? Come Give on. me a few of those. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So all right, guys, before we get going, a lot to talk about, but uh, you know, mostly we we're going to be talking to Professor Bank about uh, this this brief. But what are you guys over before we get going on over the ball, uh, Grail?
2: So, yeah, so I'm over uh, the panic that seems to be setting in among Spurs fans and pundits about Harry Keane's early season struggles. And I just want to remind people that he's got a new manager. He's got a new system. He's had that contract situation hanging over his head since the summer. And also just keep in mind, I just did a little uh, uh, analysis here. Back in 2015, 16, he hadn't scored in the first four matches, which is the same as this year. And he ended up with 25 goals. And in the following season, he had a drought early in the season, and he ended up with 29 goals. So I would just say, Guys, ease off once they figure out how they all play together. You know, I, I would say I think he needs to be further up the pitch. He needs to be back to his number nine position. They had him playing yeah. out wide, which made no sense to me. But he and Son were fantastic last year. They can be just as good this year. So, again, yeah, I would just he, say just say he, be patient. He, he, Harry Kane will come through.
1: He's coming back much deeper for the ball just to get going and get yeah. things. I mean, look, he's had a hell of a summer. Um, You know, representing the, his country, and I think with all that contract. Look, we have seen this before, with but whether it's Neymar moving and then people judge him right away, Messi moving, you know, Coutinho going to Barcelona, this big trade thing. But all this talk about Kane, he wanted to move, and he's been a real, a real team player there mm-hmm. at, at Spurs, and he wasn't rewarded for it, so got to be some, some mind games going on with himself, I think at this point in time. Uh, but also you're right. It's a new coach, the new system, give them some time to, uh, to, to sort of adjust whether it'll work or not. We, we don't know, but he's a hell of a player. So yeah, uh, he really is. Sam, and what do you over the, to hand he, over the he's, ball?
2: He's the last guy in the world to dog it. So I'd never question his efforts. All
3: right. Sam, what are you? Yeah, for Harry Kane. Um, I'm over uh, (laughs) streaming companies getting uh, way too far ahead of themselves, buying rights to leagues, cups, whatever it is, uh, without really having a plan in place and a platform and figuring out how it's all going to work. uh, the quality issues to me on a lot of these streaming services are just uh, I don't know, un- unforgivable. Um, the most recent offender is dazone That's apparently how you pronounce D-A-Z-N. It's actually DAZN. Um, yeah, like know what I said? My parents you said DAZN, 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 DAZN me. My just parents DAZN, DAZN, DAZN. DAZN, DAZN. DAZN, okay. DAZN me. Uh, anyway, in Italy, which is, you know, now had to give subscribers a free month of service because of all the issues that went on for uh, the first month, like quality right. issues, blackouts, etc. They've been called before, you know, the national communications regulator facing complaints <laughs> from Syria. I mean, it's just don't, crazy. Don't I mean, it's fuck a, with
1: Italy's soccer. dude. I mean, are fuck we at a point soccer? where like
3: if I came up with enough money, I could buy the rights to something, despite the fact I have no clue how to get it on the air? I don't know. I just. More it, money. It, it just bugs me.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah it should be better, I, it should because no first of all because first of all, you have 11 streaming services. And I think you know Grail, this is right in your sphere. Yeah. It's all about streaming and content and they're just all the content that is out there for you now. it's just all niche So but well, and, and everybody's going to produce content.
2: Yeah, DZone was built by the friend of over the ball. John Skipper was the guy who was brought in to build their North American operations. He's since moved on from there. Um, but uh, yeah they' they've had that reputation, Sam. of of just having technical or technology related issues. And I agree, Mm -hmm. if you're paying for the service, the bare minimum that you expect is for it to stream properly. You know, the other stuff is, you know, the commentary and stuff, you hope it's good, but I mean, you gotta be able to watch the match. Otherwise, what are you paying for?
1: Well, Sam, is it just a streaming element or was it the actual production of the shows?
3: Uh, no, I'm talking just about the quality uh, of the, the, pixelated. you know, yeah. I, I'm not going to get into the, the commentary and everything just now. Well,
1: that's more technology and less uh, creativity. Yeah, yeah, but like
3: we've been, I mean, ESPN, I don't think they did a great job with sedia but the quality of the stream was fine for right. know, five years. I mean, it feels like we're going back 10 years with some of this stuff.
1: That seems odd. Yeah, that seems weird. Like the, mm. you know, when your AOL used to load up on the page, you know, you're just bang, <laughs> yeah. bang, bang, make that noise. All right. So, hey, the US Men's national team roster was revealed uh, for its October qualifiers uh surprises are not so many surprises I mean Pulisic i, I tell you something uh he's our boy wonder but uh, boy he gets hurt a lot uh he um we love the way he plays when he can play um I think there's rumors of him maybe leaving Chelsea now uh Grail I don't know what you'll do with that information eh,
2: let's see how that I mean but, let's, got, but Pulisic let's and Reyna.
1: Polisic and Reyna are hurt, uh, so they will not be um in the list. And McKenney returns. There's no surprise there. Um, you know, he didn't commit a felony for God's sakes. So people are like, hey, is he going to be allowed back? Well, of course he is. Just uh, he got to, you know, he missed the other two qualifiers. He's back now. Um Buzzio, Buzio, how do you pronounce that? Is that an Italian name? Buzio. Buzzio, yeah. Buzio. He um he's playing well in Italy, isn't he? He's uh is he so he is included
3: mm-hmm. yeah he he is in the team which i was excited about i've been pushing for it you guys can back me up on that the last couple of weeks yeah. i don't yeah. i don't know how much he'll actually feature but i'm glad he's getting the experience
1: well but i think the so burhalter sort of wanted him to uh, double down sort of defensively and get stuck in a bit more and i thought in the last qualifier that he played in he he did that um you know cuz he's got uh, he looks like a european player the way he sort of handles yeah. the ball. So, uh, so lots
2: of changes yeah. though. I mean, when you think about yeah. it, from the September window, nine new players, no Ream, no Robinson, and no Stefan due to why is that though? COVID, right? Yeah, COVID protocols because they all play in England. Um, so Zardi, that means,
3: sorry to interrupt. So that means yes. um, that they wouldn't even have Pulisic anyway, right?
2: Yeah. Uh, right. Anybody who plays not, the Premier right. League, right? And and right. Sam, yeah. I mean, that's for the Panama game, right? So yeah. Uh, and then, and then you so and you've got No P you know, Zardes and Hoppy are back in the mix. So it's really kind of a hodgepodge of rosters from the summer tournaments and then right. this tournament. So you know continuity to me is my biggest concern. You, you just, got those- nine players are a lot to be going in and out. And Sargent didn't make the cut, which did not no
1: surprise me at all. He'd been given a bunch of chances and just didn't. Or increase. De La Fuente didn't make the cut. Well, the Taylor Fuente is playing pretty well. I I was surprised at that one, but with Sargent, I think it's, it's, he just plays too slow, too sluggish. It it just didn't happen. I'm pulling for the kid. I really Mm am. Uh, We need a player who can play with his back to the net and he seems to have that. But at this, at that level, I just do not think he has it as, as so far, I mean, whether he develops as a player uh, playing in the premier league, I don't know. You have to, it's either. uh... And I, and I
2: hope Pepe is automatic to start at number nine. I'm not saying he's got to start all three games, but coming off that last match to me, he's earned the right to be the starting number nine in this, in the Jamaica game.
1: Right. And I don't think Stefan is the starting keeper either. I think, you know, based on performances and, you know, look, uh, it's almost the, uh, what is it? The Lou Garrick thing where you, you yeah. basically, you know, who did he replace? And then that was it. He, the guy was hurt. Wally or Pitt. Willie Pip And you know, a great Wally player. Pitt. And then all of a sudden he just took his place and you have to, uh, even, you know, all of us know when you're playing and you're on the roster and you're starting 11, uh, if you get hurt, you're, you're off and everybody it's, feels bad for you, yeah. but you got to rehab, you got to get back in and yep. you got to win your position over again. And Stefan, yeah um has uh, had some problems so. I, I
2: saw Burhalter interviewed on the champions league post game show on wednesday mm-hmm. it was a really good interview thierry henry was on the show and uh carragher and smichael and actually he was uh, i thought he, he just get, did a very good explanation of just the fact that this is going to be very fluid and just because a PFOC didn't get called in this time into this window it does not mean that he won't be called into the next window and again I think he's just going to be juggling a lot of different players.
1: Well, I think look, this is again, this is a one percenter elitist problems. We actually have a little bit of depth this time. Yeah, which uh, is great. With what we have, and so, you know, that's the biggest part of coaching is to sort of say, uh, you know, you know it from S- Sam from Italy, like all these this dearth of great players. Who do you pick? Who's mm-hmm. peaking at the right time? Well, dir- it, means, dearth, dearth means dearth means lack. Oh, so, yeah, the, wide dearth, mean the wide the yeah. wide lack of. <laughs> <laughs> How did I use that? Maybe I was saying Earth, but uh, a wide, maybe, uh, wide breath. That's what I was going for. Breath. Okay. In fact, I'm reading that book right now. Breath. It's uh, the New York Times bestseller. It talks about breathing. Pretty. Go, go get well, it. Boys.
3: breath with a D. But yeah, yeah you're getting
1: that. You're getting DTL. there. <laughs> Yeah, I think. Well, I tell you, we got the professor coming. We're gonna have to have a separate,
3: separate
2: podcast for this. So,
3: just before we get to that, there are three players on the roster from England. Zach Stefan is on the roster, as is Tim Ream and Anthony Robinson. So clearly, there's not a blanket, you know, ban on players from England for this uh, for these qualifiers. They cannot go to Panama is okay. my understanding so typically right so Specifically. maybe that played into the balance but i would have to think that had pulisic been healthy he would have been oh, in yeah. the team okay no
2: doubt yeah, you want
1: to and panama's got the backup against the wall uh they really do so it's going to be a tough game down there it really will be they'll pull out all stops i mean yeah so
2: next so next week we've got you know we've got uh, jamaica panama and what's the third game that i'm missing there um Jamaica is the first poster. ask
1: a question that you don't know. Yeah. The answer. No, thank
2: you. No, I, well, I was, I was hoping you guys would, uh,
1: provide a, just, provide just use the say. wrong word and sample will jump yeah. in. That's what, yeah. Um, all right, uh, guys, so let's move to champions league. Uh, Messi gets his first goal and it was a nice one, boys. Do you guys see it? Oof,
2: what a great give! a great one too with, uh, Mbappe, yeah. um, and just curl. It, it was so funny. It was you could, you know, Ederson's in goal for Man City, and the shot was so good that Ederson he just like flinched for a minute and then just realized I'm not getting that. And it was it was just incredible.
1: Well, Messi how, was the guy was all over him and he was yeah, actually off balance and it was just an amazing just shot. curled it, didn't overkick it. So PSG yeah. wins 2-0 over Man City. Uh so uh, so that's a, a big win for them PSG man. Yeah, I'm still not
2: sold on the the big 3 yet, you know. We talked a lot. That's before. too early, you know to go yeah, back to your so, Kane
1: argument. You're contradicting yourself. So No, no, no.
2: So Messi, Neymar, Suarez, mm-hmm. that really worked at Barca, but it took a while, but you had Suarez who was a just a incredible goal scorer. And with yeah. with with Neymar and Mbappe, you have two guys that really aren't to me they're great players, but they're not great goal scorers necessarily so it's just a different dynamic and it's going to take a while for them to learn how to all play together but uh
1: right. some glimpses of it liverpool transporto 5-1 uh, liverpool yeah. seems to be back this year pretty uh pretty strongly um yeah and this is interesting guys uh sheriff tiraspol fc um should we pronounce that in the proper russian um, Sheriff. say the name <laughs> fc from trans Transnistria. Transnistria? Transnistria, Transnistria. Yes. Oh, my God, part of uh, Moldova. Moldova. Oh my God! Well, they stunned Real Madrid too. <laughs> this is like a word salad for you, you know,
2: that you don't want.
1: Oh, exactly. But then, you know, this is my whole uh, Sebastian Salazar <laughs> argument. Should <laughs> exactly. I say it? Should I say it in Moldavian yeah. uh, accent, and uh, then the Spanish Barnabo, and then uh, you know every accent that the team is playing? So let's see when Champions League comes around if you pronounce every name properly in the proper language uh so anyway uh they beat real madrid which is, uh, is a big one but i guess i was looking at this fun fact it's backed by sheriff a company funded or founded by two former soviet police officers i mean
2: it's just it it just sounds corrupt i don't oh know what else God. to say And hey guys
1: uh jesse marsh at leipzig uh in club <laughs> rouge 2-1 um after scoring five in the, in the in the take in the lead up to that but um Boy, they lost for Marsh. It's it's the team's fifth defeat in nine matches. Huge letdown after beating Hertha Berlin 6-0 over the weekend. So they're rumblings that the players aren't happy. Tell me where a player is happy. I, I don't know, guys.
2: So, I mean, Sam, what do you? I know you're a big Jesse Marsh fan, so I'm just curious what you're Marsh year here. Well, I have to be honest
3: here. I am a Jesse Marsh fan. I mean, I really want it to work out. That said, I have not watched a single Leipzig game all season. So I've not really been yeah. putting you know my money where my mouth is. But um I yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think it's a good thing that he's sort of part of this red bull system you know the Mm -hmm. structure he's not a a completely outside hire you know he's been on this track for a really long time so i think he'll he'll be given a lot of opportunity and time to you know turn it around and i think he can uh you know i don't think the champions league is the be-all and the end-all anyway i think where he finishes in the league will be the ultimate deciding point i don't think you know leipzig this year considering the players they lost were really supposed to be that competitive in the champions league so but yeah i don't know i am trying to get a, a sort of feel for how much people are following this whole story and how much they care about it i mean have you guys watched any look
2: yeah. Yes, but,
3: yeah. I mean, okay,
2: you no, know, and I, I was just going to say that I, I don't think I, I hear what you're saying about Champions League, but if they got bounced in the group stage, I do not think that would be a good thing for him. I think that would just ratchet up the pressure in a huge way. And again, he's, just, but he's, but in, he's in a he's group
3: not, with PSG and Man City. I mean, he like, can hardly be expected to qualify. Well, right, they I put mean, in a good it, showing, at early, least, I guess, exactly, exactly.
1: And, you know, so uh. You know, I, I see you're talking about not being able to see the games all the time or not watching the games, Sam. I think it seems to me, and Grail sort of speaks to your sphere of influence. It it, uh, it seems like the Premier League. I wanted Messi to come to the Premier League as well as Ronaldo because I wanted to watch those guys play, and it seems like Premier League is more destination viewing. There's a big, you know, pregame show. You know when the games are on, and it seems like with some of the other stuff uh some of the other games syria which i know you watch sam and uh, bundesliga uh, you have to kind of search around for it a little bit more so i I don't think that i think if jesse marsh was coaching in the premier league this country would cover it a lot more it'd be a lot Mm -hmm. more high profile
0: Although
2: mm-hmm. well, the Bundesliga is on ESPN now, right? I'm just so, saying, mean, destination
1: viewing, yeah. like, I don't know. It just doesn't seem like. Well, there's just a... a lot. I mean,
2: the, the issue is look, I mean, we deal with this every week preparing for the show. There is just a lot of stuff going on. So, you know, to go off on a tangent here, that's the idea of a World Cup every two years. I'm like, please, no, we've already got too much to deal with. Right, we right can't I deal know. with a World Cup every two years, for God's sakes. Hey,
1: guys, so speaking of Premier League, and we'll sort of get get uh, through here so we can get Professor Bank on, because he's really got some interesting stuff to say about this whole brief and about a whole bunch of other things. But one thing that surprised me, guys, at the Premier League is uh, James Rodriguez or James Rodriguez. Thomas James. Hamas a pita bread. Um, He, uh, he's on the move, man. I think he's going to like the middle East somewhere. He
2: went out. It was like the, it was like the Baltimore Colts leaving Baltimore in the dead of night. He went out, you know, he was brought in by Ancelotti. Ancelotti loved him. He loved Ancelotti. He had a great year for Everton last year. And then we were talking about this with like coaching changes and what it can mean for a player like McKinney, at Juve yeah. and how that's affecting him I mean it just didn't work and, and Benitez and Rodriguez had a situation going back to Real Madrid so it was like the writing was on the wall but talk about a guy who was just in 2014 was like one of the great players in the World Cup yeah. and now he's going to play in Qatar and I'm like wow Too early for
1: him to go there I'm surprised he yeah. didn't wind up somewhere else I Lots know that money I know they were trying to you know Unload his salary, which was like I think two hundred thousand euros a week or something. So uh, that was part of it—an uh, austerity. He was the highest
2: paid player on Everton. Yeah.
1: Right. Right. So uh, all right. So speaking of changes, also MLS here, FC Cincinnati coached, uh head coach Yap uh, Stam. How do you say it? Yap. 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 Stam. Yap. Stam. Yap. Stam. Yap. Stam. Yap. Stam, Stam. Stam. Third coach fired in the club's three-year history, so they can't keep <laughs> can't keep anybody. I love Cincinnati. It's a great town. I used to do stand up there all the time um but got a brand
2: new stadium you know they've got all this promise around it it's one of the new franchises and they just they just can't seem to get it right at the moment they're so you know they're like 17 points below the playoff picture so I mean for MLS that's got to be a real concern I mean when you you know when you pick a city and they build a stadium and you do all that and now you've gone through three coaches in three seasons it's just they got to get it they got to get back on track Somebody's got to
1: lose, I guess, the assistant coach, Tyrone Marshall, now serving as the um, interim coach. And, you know, Stan had a great career at Ajax, you know, uh, Man United, Milan, Lazio. I
2: don't know. I guess he couldn't keep a job as a player
1: either. Great great
2: players often don't make great coaches, as
1: we all know. Right. Mm -hmm. So, okay, guys, so um, let's uh, let's take a break here. And when we come back, we're going to be talking to Professor Stephen Banks. So stick around. You're listening to Over the Ball. All right, our guest today, and over the ball, is a professor of law uh, at the UCLA School of Law. My old job, of course, before uh, I started the podcast. Professor Peng is an expert on soccer law and really the intersection of sports and business. He explores these issues uh, in his course uh, on uh, international and comparative sports law, as well as uh, his perspective seminar on law lawyering and the beautiful game. Now, that's one class, guys. That. I would definitely not fall asleep asleep at. He's the man we turn to with our soccer legal questions, uh, and there seems to be more and more legal questions coming up. Uh, Professor, I don't know if it's a sign of progress in the world of soccer, but uh, suddenly there's money involved, and when there's money involved, lawyers suddenly show up. So uh, please help us make sense uh, of it all. You know, uh, Professor, we have, um, well, first of all, welcome. Welcome to the show. How are you?
0: Good, good. Thanks for having me.
1: Yeah. So you know, last Wednesday there was a fifty-nine-page reply brief uh, that was uh, dropped. And have you had a chance to to look at it or, or or read about it or or anything? Do you have any comments on it?
0: Sure. Sure. Yeah, I, I, uh, I took a look at it. It's um, so you have to understand the posture of the case. The case uh, at the district court. The 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 judge decided. Uh, granted summary judgment to U.S. Soccer on the case. So what that means is that even uh, resolving all um, material issues, genuine issues of material fact in in uh, the, the best light for the plaintiffs, the case still comes out the other way. And the reason the court did that is because, uh, according to the judge, The uh, women's national team players had not established the prima facie case, right? On the face of it, that uh, they had been discriminated against or had been um, given unequal pay, because when you when you compute the actual amount they received um, by uh, at least two metrics, the um, just in general or or by game, uh, the women received more than the men over the period of the lawsuit, and so they their prima facie case, right? That's what the judge decided. Okay. Uh, so this is an appeal uh, to the Ninth Circuit U.S. Court of Appeals. Uh, there are three levels if they, if, if you lost here, you could appeal to the Supreme Court. So uh, um, so at the appellate level, you're not supposed to have new arguments. You're not supposed to have, um, you know, it's supposed to be pretty similar to what you saw below. Right, right. Uh, same but case. You're arguing, you're arguing that the judge below made errors. Uh, and so there's two possible errors that could overturn uh, the the summary judgment um, decision and of course that would just mean it goes back to the district court and they have you know continue with the proceedings which could include a trial um, so it wouldn't be a win win it would be you know a reversal of an os- of, a, of a of a defeat in effect um, but the two ways that you can overcome it is you can establish that actually the judge um, resolved uh, genuine issues of material fact and shouldn't have should have just said like we're just taking as true the allegations um, and that they resolved it, and so that it should go back say, hey, you, you're not allowed to take this from the jury. And when there's genuine issues material fact, that goes to a jury. Um, in this case, they asked for a jury trial, so that's where we go. Or that the judge applied the wrong legal standard. <clears throat> now, the problem with the first um, issue, the whether the judge resolved genuine issues of material fact and it shouldn't have, uh, is that. <clears throat> That, there's not a lot of fact issues here. It's not that the um, women's national team and the men's national team are disputing, you know, how much was actually paid, like, you know, that there was some slush fund given to the men, or there was, or you know, some um uh, the, the US soccer claims it paid money that didn't get there. There's nothing, there's not a dispute like that. There's there's the the one of the arguments is that the they didn't allow the experts, you know, they, you bring in experts to testify that the expert. You know, testified differently. The U.S. Soccer said uh, um, there's not it was wasn't unequal, and the um, uh, women's national team said it was unequal. The experts' um, The problem is is that the experts are applying what is equal or unequal using kind of a legal standard, so using a standard of what is um, what do we mean by equal or unequal? And so it's like meshing a legal and factual. It's not really a factual inquiry. It's really about what once we decide what law we apply, then you know. What the right facts are, and so that really gets us back, loops us right back into the the real. Um, uh, if this is overturned, my guess, I mean, there's one, there's one other claim on the fact. Do you do
1: you think it's going to be overturned? What's your opinion on that? Do you, you think it will be, or well, sure? I, here's the thing.
0: I, I it's it's tough
1: to overpeal uh, to to overturn something, right?
0: So, yeah, I mean, in general, uh, you would not want to be the lawyer representing the side that's trying to get a summary judgment decision right. overturned because, of course, the bias is in favor of, you know, one judge has already decided this. You have to find reasons. There's also a standard of review of, you know, you're, you're somewhat deferential. So So, so know, another judge harder. has to
1: find fault in that judge's
0: work. Yeah, you have to find yeah. fault, right? And it, so, I mean, it, it, could it get overturned? Absolutely. Uh, summary judgment decisions or decisions of district court are overturned all the time. Uh, um, so it's not impossible by any stretch. Um, but it is, a, you know, you'd rather be the winning side than the losing right. side, you know, trying to do this. The the um, some judges in the appellate court are more likely to overturn uh, because they have a preference for, um, uh, you know, letting. Juries decide things. Uh, they have, um, be, or because they, um, you know, they're uh, concerned about the optics of a summary judgment motion, so they're going to look kind of closely at this. Like you took this away from the jury, you know. Um, there are also judges who are just sympathetic uh, to one side or the other from a political standpoint, and I don't mean that judges are not trying to be honest and and just apply the law, but you know, there are. Situations where where judges are, I mean, they're appointed by Republicans or Democrats, and where they might, so their their sympathies are going to lean one way or the other. So, and they might that, be concerned about a perception and let yeah. the, let the facts play out in the public. Report, exactly you know. right. There's a certain amount of that, right? That that's the other. That's a just a not even a political issue. That's a general issue that some people, some judges would rather cases get really resolved rather than you have these summary judgment cases. Although, uh, um. The reason for summary judgment is is because you're wasting the time of a lot of people who have to sit on jury. You're wasting the court system, which could be used in other places. And so it's it's you know there's a lot of people who believe that system is important. So so let me let me just say sort
1: of in a review here. So what's basically happened? It seems to me, and and I think we've talked about this before. You sort of know where we stand on on this. Um, it's been quite odd for a lot of us soccer people, but it seems like they really tried to push the court of public opinion in their favor to sort of the weight of the Me Too movement and everything else to sort of really power something through, which is one court is the court of public opinion. The other court is the actual court where you go and really feelings of being slighted or uh, mismanagement or whatever it is um, really doesn't come to fruition. It's really just the facts. So they're gonna look at the raw numbers here and decide if the women have a case, yes?
0: Yeah, I, I think what they're gonna do is I think this case is gonna be decided on the legal standard, the legal issue. The mm-hmm. question is, um what is the metric by which you measure right. equal pay, but what what is equality for pay? It's in the statute, it's the rate of pay must be equal. So typically we think about rate of pay as like per hour or for uh you know, a, game
1: per, or training. Per
0: game per per um sale, if you're a salesman. Um Per, uh, um, or for a salaried person, it would be you know for showing up for work, right? So everybody has this kind of the same job. So you have to because that's what equal pay is about: uh, comparing similar jobs, they should get paid the same. The issue here is uh, the 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 women's argument is is that the rate of pay of games. Was not appropriate, even though, ironically, the women argued for games until they realized they were losing. They would lose on the games per games standard. So, um, because originally it was just total compensation was, you know, was actually women got paid more. They said, well, that that we would have to work harder for that. Okay, well, then do it by by games. Turns out you don't have to work harder. You actually got it more per game. So now they're they're arguing for um, that should be performance and performance based on wins. Uh, would be you know one way of doing it and of course uh, the women were more successful over this period than the men as they play thailand and haiti haiti all right Uh, you you know (laughs) they don't they don't the women don't schedule the opponents u.s soccer does right right i know i know i'm just
1: saying it's at the competition levels apples and oranges at this point that's interesting uh,
0: yeah You know, I think that there is, um, you know, it's possible that a, uh, that the Knights could come down on something like that. It is, it's actually somewhat difficult though, the, in this case, because um, there are some aspects of the pay that have nothing to do with wins. The women's national team gets guaranteed salaries. Uh, or they have a certain percentage of guaranteed salaries that you get paid just for being available, right? You don't even have to show up. You could be not called into the team. You're right. still getting the guaranteed pay. You can right? and health insurance, right? And health insurance insurance, you can get cut from the team and you get severance pay, right? So there's a lot of pay that there's nothing going on for the men. So that is clearly not based on uh the kind of um uh you know win or you win and you get paid. Right. So it, usually the cases where you have both salary and bonus, the issue is, is that um, the women will say, yes, we made more in total compensation, which is the standard the district court applied using the total, but uh, we had a lower salary and had to sell more in order to get the total more, and that's unfair, right? And so the women are kind of using that argument saying, uh, yes, we had more total compensation, but that's because we won more. Um, we had to win a lot more to make up for the fact that the women's bonus is less than the men's bonus that's um that's the crux of the case i think the the u.s soccer is responding and saying um yes and no right there are um you know last year during the pandemic the women um got paid 100 more uh than the men because they guaranteed salaries that were continuing to be paid and the men had no money uh you know no money was coming in uh so they were you know so some in certain circumstances the women are a ton better than The men and other circumstances the men are better than the women in better circumstances than the women. That's hard to compare. That's the fundamental problem, is, is you can't just say, like, this is the right legal standard. Be, the, the court would be worried in the Ninth Circuit that they're gonna set a precedent by saying something broad about what the right legal standard is and apply it to this case. Because this is like hard, hard case makes bad law, right? So hard facts make bad law. That's usually the the um the saying that judges rule by and they're really they'd be really worried about boy if we say something broad we're going to actually end up um you know screwing over some clients some people in the future so sort of are, like these cases are outliers they're just it, it is an unusual case you almost never have in a um uh equal pay act case two um uh entirely women's division entirely men's division represented by different unions are who, who negotiate for different deals um uh, and are and they are deals that kind of are l- coherent, you know, yes. it's not just like they, one got a worse deal than the other deal. One is a better or worse deal, depending on your risk outlook and, and, you know, your perspective and, uh, you know, and so, uh, it's, it's just a hard, you're not going to have these kinds of cases with the same employer, um. You know, so that's. I think they're they'd be worried about setting a legal standard. That I,
1: I think this. I think this case is going to be in your uh, your your next seminar, which I would have taken. Uh, I would have loved, by the way, if it was pass fail. Uh, Grail, <laughs> do, do you have a question for the professor?
2: Yeah, professor. Thanks for joining us as always. Um, Cindy Parlow cohn has kind of floated out there the idea of the players' associations from both the men's and the women's coming together, and I'm just curious what your thought was about the chances of the women's national team and the men's national team accepting identical terms in their upcoming CBAs? And, and if so, would that really help solve this issue?
0: Uh, so as a going forward matter, obviously, probably the only way to solve this issue is for the men and women agree on how to deal with World Cup bonuses, right? That's mm-hmm. the biggest issue, the prize money. Uh, every country that's been cited as, wow, we came up with a deal for equal pay. It's because they either had one union that represented all of uh, 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 national team soccer players, or the two unions um, got together, the two groups got together and agreed. So that's that's pretty much the path forward. It doesn't solve the case, which has back pay implications, but certainly is the only way to solve the, the going forward. Um, uh, I, I do think already there's a little bit of backsliding, but it's not too much. Like I do think that the the women would have to give up some things that they may not be getting in their regular club deals, like the health insurance or, or maternity leave or things like that. I don't know. Uh, whether they're, you know, I think they could give up the salaries. I do think that the women's national team players are probably um, regretting a little bit the salaries because, I mean, as things turned out, well, the
1: guaranteed them, salaries, right? It's guaranteed guaranteed salaries. Guaranteed salaries, yeah. Right. So
0: I think they're kind of, you know, because that's a bad fact for their case. Um, yeah. Now, it, when they signed it, I think there are a lot of players who just really needed that. I think sure. there are players who do. Um, so. So I do think they can. They're ready to probably. They, they might not be ready to get rid of it for all of them, but I think they're they, that. That's negotiable. Um, but I think that the biggest issue is, um, you know, the, the they're not going to grow the pie, right? So it's mm-hmm. so there's this sort of assumption. The men advocating for the women is, hey, they should get paid just what we get paid. Well, you know what? There's only so much money, and men haven't been contributing much to that. And so if there was there's a lot more money than maybe we'd be talking about it. Keep in mind, the women's national team is getting 100% plus of the FIFA prize money, FIFA World Cup prize money. The men are getting like 80 to 85% of that. Those are unheard of percentages um, internationally. There's no other country that I can think of that does that. I mean, uh, you know, the 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 France in, in 2018 got $44 million or something like that. And they got $400,000 a player. Right. So do the math. There's a lot of money left over there. They did right. not get anywhere close to 80%. Um, so you know, that's the issue is, is they're not going to be able to come up. Um, mm-hmm. it's more about leveling down.
1: Well, don't they I think they want to attach themselves to the bonuses that FIFA pays the men at a higher level than the women, and that seems Quite odd to me. That would that would always bring me back to my argument about like you know why doesn't the WNBA make what the NBA makes? Well, the revenue is not the same worldwide. Um, so you know, we had set the Secretary General of um, uh, a U.S. Soccer, former uh, Hank Steinbrecher, on last week, and he was talking. He didn't feel good about the negotiations because he said when he was sitting at the table, and he's heard now that it was getting down to how many bananas were on the training table for the men and how many were on the women, which is thinks an absurd point. But if they're they're drilling down to that sort of tertiary level stuff. Have they even gotten to these bigger issues yet? Uh, and is the reality sort of um, you know, hit them yet? They've got to come up with a
0: deal. Yeah, it's clearly got, they, the, the deal is not, I mean, you know, what happens is, is that the lawyers are sitting around and they got nothing, um, they got nothing from the from their clients right so they start talking about the things that they could actually talk they have like authority to talk about so you talk right. about bananas because nobody will let them talk about the big issues right okay <laughs> um,
1: we'll get to those it's kind of like what's but, happening
0: in dc right now yeah exactly so but but here's um here's where i might uh, disagree with you the idea that the men earned bonuses and the women earned bonuses is the wrong frame in my view in my view the frame is that u.s soccer established a soccer ecosystem in the US that starts in rec soccer at you know U5 it's the referees it's the coaching it's the fields it's the 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 curriculum you know uh, that they give for for leagues it's the support i mean you could argue that all those things are they're not doing enough of that but but let's just That's but but all the grassroots stuff that they all your when when a national association when 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 their FIFA awards prize money it is to the national association and it is because the national association is uh um you know has um created a system and the national association is the one who won the money right so there's nothing about the men or the women that earned the money the 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 association earned the money over a multi-decade operation, right? Right. So they can divide that money up any way they please, right? You can negotiate. So there's nothing that says, other than the fact that it feels like, hey, the men were on the field or because you need incentive bonuses that they have to like give it all away or anything like that. Um, The bonuses are sort of a separate issue, what they decide to pay. So it really is US soccer that's decided we're gonna give hundred percent to the women rather than for example, giving more of that money to, youth soccer or whatever or give 85 or 80 or 85 percent from that which, men,
1: which is unfortunate you know because there's a lot you know a lot of these programs have been deficit financed for many years before uh, any prominence was reached by any of the national teams grail you had another question yeah, for, yeah so professor? so
2: just looking ahead professor it seems like we're either marching towards the a three judge panel in the ninth circuit uh reviewing the case or there's always the possibility of a settlement but is is a settlement just too difficult a term for the women to wrap their heads around because in the again going back to Kevin's thing about the court of public opinion
0: will a settlement
2: feel like a loss
0: so the the one positive for a settlement is they did settle the working condition claims right mm-hmm. um, so it's not as which as we as were all
2: behind
1: i mean that that was yes. absurd that they should absolutely have the same you know travel and, and hotels and
0: facilities Exactly. So, so you know, so it's not as if they aren't talking, or that they are spiteful. You know, I and mean, they clearly like where it was in their interest. They settled it. So it's possible. Um, I I think that uh, the challenge will be if if they can get a really acceptable um, um, going forward solution, right? So they negotiate something between the two unions. Um, that the, the 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 challenge for the women's national team is a is um, and for U.S. soccer, frankly, both of them need a face-saving exit strategy. So they right. need to have something that says, we did something great, and now we can settle. Um, uh, maybe the you know the going forward stuff in like new CBAs doesn't solve the back pay issue. Mm. And there's a lot of players on the women's national team who are basically um, close to retirement or retiring. And therefore, they're going to be like, what the heck? We're, we're nuts. I'm not want to settle. Go for this. broke, right? Um, mm-hmm. But... Uh, but from a face-saving perspective, if you can get a good deal going forward, you say, like, we we got what we wanted or got close to what we wanted, and U.S. Soccer could say, we, now we can, um, one of the advantages for U.S. Soccer, if they can solve the going forward, is is that you, you have a quantifiable number, a back pay, that you can now whittle down. Whereas if you don't know what the forward um, number is, then even if you could decide, well, we can find the money to pay the back pay. How are you paying the, you know, the future mm-hmm.
1: pay? So forward, right. an
0: agreement. So you once you solve the forward, you can at least confine the, the the potential damages to the number they're seeking, and then start to whittle that down. But right. it's just
2: just a quick follow up though, don't you think though that at some point the, the women's national team is going to have to do a public reset and say what we're actually talking about is equitable pay. Because people can do the math. It's not going to be equal pay the way, they, then, they, let the way they they that let me add to that Grail yeah. to this
1: to this question, Professor. Um, it seems to me, uh, and I perhaps I'm wrong, but there seems to be a confusion with the pay in a domestic league and how that all operates with revenues and contract negotiations on a professional sports level. And now you're but now you're talking on a national team level, which is a a group that, you know, like you said, goes all the way to the grassroots. The money is divided up in many different ways. So it seems like they're kind of mashing the two arguments together. It's almost like, a feel like it's a LeBron James contract negotiation with an agent, you know, but but he's looking at revenue from owners and what they have and and he wants his money. And I understand that, but it seems different with a national team.
0: So uh, let me me provide legal context for where revenue comes in. So if you have, if there, there was an assumption when the case started, that the numbers would work out so that it would be different. The men would have gotten more than the women. And um, that doesn't mean it's automatically you lose the case, the US soccer loses the case. You can then provide an affirmative defense. The defense is it, that you have to provide is that there was a non um, illegal reason why you differed in the compensation. Um, you know, so and the reason would be um that uh one of the reasons would be revenue, right? So there's a lot of this discovery in this case was all about revenue. They just never got to revenue because the the judge decided the case on the basis of uh, the, you know, the, you didn't meet the prime facie standard. But right. that's why the revenue comes up. I actually think U.S. Soccer's response in the, uh, in, the, in the response brief is kind of disingenuous. They're like, oh, how can you, you know, revenue means a lot of different things. And, you know, because I think there's, there's probably once you get to revenue, there's probably arguments that U.S. Soccer did not adequately market the women's national team, or you know, didn't devote the same resources to um, to deals for them, and so it gets very sticky. It's also challenging because the deals are bundled, so some of the media right. deals are are men's and women's together, and it's hard to disaggregate them.
1: All right, uh, all right so well, let's move on, uh, yeah. Grail. I know you wanted to, yeah. to tackle N.W. NW. Well, NW. yeah,
2: just shifting gears and. It's un it's uncanny how every time we have you on, professor, something else like blows up within ten hours <laughs> yeah, of your
1: appearance. You're a jinx, bank. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, un, it's uncanny. I, I think
2: he's actually pulling the strings out exactly. there. Exactly. So yeah, just N- NWSL. I mean, my goodness, in the last twenty four hours, this I don't want to call it a scandal yet because it might be overly dramatic, but I'm just uh, curious what your thoughts are about the impact of these allegations coaches being fired and where nwsl goes from here legally
0: yeah if this were an ncaa school it would be you know the loss of institutional control kind of um you know death penalty uh situation Uh, as they clearly uh, have had you know a, a a pattern it's not just like a couple coaches it's now they're talking about over a period of years where they have you know disregarded some of this stuff i think that you know nwsl one of the issues one of the reasons why you create a single entity league is because you can avoid some of the lawsuits related to antitrust lawsuits about keeping player compensation a certain level right. because you're one unit. But one of the disadvantages potentially of of uh, single entity is is boy you should have more control over your, you know, coaches and hiring and things like Properties. that. Properties, yeah. And uh, you know, this looks like they um, they didn't exercise that probably. Uh, um, you know, so probably they the the re, the right answer is deeper than that, which is that the individual investor operators um, control the coaches. They hire them, they fire them. They're not actually employees of the league. And so it's more of like a normal league, but nevertheless, you you know, it doesn't look like NWSL, Did much it doesn't look like they have one of the problems of not having a union is they didn't have a grievance procedure, they, they didn't have a transparent and open disciplinary process so complaints were made and they were ignored. Um, Those things the question of what the league's uh, legal obligations are a little murky in the in in the because we don't really know exactly the governance structure. Um, It's not transparent but there certainly are real problems there and that goes that's on the legal side there's also problems. you know there are uh um, potential lawsuits that could include the league we complained to the league they didn't act um you know uh um it's just a it's a mess it's uh, um you know these are talk about um discrimination cases sexual harassment cases you know lots of that but even beyond the legal side this is just a PR disaster and for a league yeah. that is kind of a fledgling league um a, this is a bad thing it's actually not a good thing for the US women's national team um uh because the pay equity you know you would think that they align right like we're getting Mm -hmm. discriminated against in in both levels but in some sense uh it's worse because um if nwsl is threatened you know and i don't know if we're at that level but you know there are some notions that they've got to do a massive reset if the league gets destabilized then that hurts even more the 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 player salary issue Mm -hmm. for the women's national team. Because the
1: U.S. soccer gives 10 million a year to the domestic league, right? The women's domestic league.
0: They're definitely subsidized, although I think some of that is an administrative subsidy, which is another Mm -hmm. issue. Um, What's U.S. soccer's um, administrative oversight uh, during this time, like, are they just like putting out the schedule or something, or are they supposed to be doing some kind of oversight of coaches, which you would think is part of their role? They do, they do coaching generally. There's, you know, you're supposed to oversee coaches um, in in their coach curriculum and coach uh, re- licensure process. So U.S. Soccer perhaps has a, a an issue here, but I think the I don't think NWSL is is as fragile. as, You know, if this had happened in. Uh, you know, prior leagues, I think they would have gone under, I think right. mm-hmm. is, is stronger, but, you know, another thing to keep in mind is, is you have, you only have so many wealthy owners, mm-hmm. right? So people are talking already, the Washington spirit owner should sell the, you know uh, anybody, any of these owners who kind of swept this under the rug should sell, but, you know, who's stepping up. And right. then you're looking at like two new uh, uh, teams coming in where, you know, like someone like me has to ask himself, so do do you wanna get Angel City um, season tickets? They're trying to get those sold now, you know, like uh, this is not great for the the sales for San Diego or or LA's teams, you know, because people are saying, what the heck's going on here? Who could they go to instead, USL women's? New USL Women's League, right? Yeah. So that's a that's an alternative.
2: And spot and sponsors, you know, once sponsors start turning, we've seen it across all sorts of businesses. The minute a big one goes, you could just have a domino
0: effect. It, I mean, look, this is this is all worst case, right? Yeah. I mean, in in some sense, this is a, a situation where maybe maybe it's just a twenty four hour period. They kind of get it under control, but it, it's a long period of time. Um, that this has been going on, like, I mean, relatively speaking. And so that's, Mm -hmm. that's worrisome. Uh, I think probably at the very least, they're going to, they're going to end up uh, uh, letting go their commissioner because Mm -hmm. they need a sacrificial lamb. They need someone.
1: And she's a woman, right, as well. So it, it, you know, it's, uh, it, it reminds me of the growth of the men's game in this country, all the obstacles that they overcame, you know, and funny when I played, when I was in the league, wasn't making much, weren't many people in the stands, couldn't ask for much. And I tell you what, I didn't complain at all because I, I didn't want to get cut. There were plenty of guys behind me who would have just been thrown into the to the mix. Uh, I think this is a good thing in the sense that players have rights and they need to be treated professionally. And so this is in another sense, a good growth element of what's happening, because shine a light on some of these things. Players need to, the right conditions to play under to, to build a professional league. So uh, Sam has been very quiet during this whole whole time. I think he's been taking notes to take your exam, professor. Uh, but Sam, you have a question for the, for the great professor
3: here. Yeah, I'm curious if you could just give us a, a really quick Super League update over in Europe. <laughs> um, I know it's a big topic, but I'm mainly just curious if the idea is really dead because you hear owners every once in a while pipe up and say it's actually not dead, it's kind of lingering in the ashes. And Follow I'm, the money. Not uh, dead yeah. yet.
0: It's not not only is it not dead, but there's been legal um legal events in the last week. So a Madrid judge had issued an injunction back in April uh against imposing sanctions on the t- the clubs that were the the founders of the Super League and uh, UEFA and the English Premier League had kind of ignored them, and the judge piped up and said, "You know, no, no, no. You have to um, honor this injunction that's required under you know EU law." And um, the the uh, UEFA just declared null and void its process, its proceedings that it had been going through to punish the. Um, The Super League clubs to honor the adjunction and there were some questions whether they were going to ignore it, and that would be potentially at their peril under the law, so um, you got this Madrid judge um, who now UEFA, by the way, has moved to disqualify for for bias Um, and i'm not i'm not sure. What the claim is, other than
1: he's a Barcelona uh, fan, or something, I don't know what it is. He's <laughs> in
0: Madrid, that's a conflict of interest. He's right a Real Madrid there. fan, yeah. yeah. No, I don't know what he is. You know, here's the yeah. thing it's it, the the question I don't know is whether the bias claim is is he's literally biased, like he's got some kind of a payoff, which is not impossible, and you know, and yeah, in, uh, in Europe, um, but. Uh, but I also don't know what, I mean, almost every judge is biased in the sense that they're sort of for or against, you know, traditionalism in, in European soccer. And so, but the, the point is, is that there's, here's a broader point, and I'm, I'm, I've am I'm been invited to speak in an academic conference on this. The broader point is, is that there's a growing conflict between clubs and the organize, the governing bodies of soccer. And you see it not just in the Super League, you see it in the World Cup qualifiers you know whether you release the players you see it in the case in the u.s the relevant case whether whether foreign clubs can play league games in the u.s um this is right. all about um, a really a battle um the clubs are getting upset that they are supposed to be subservient to organizing bodies and there's a body of law some case law not necessarily in football but in in other sports like in in swimming and in ice skating uh that where they have struck down overly broad governing body uh mandates and Mm -hmm. so i do think that there is some question and there's some sort of a looming battle um Mm -hmm. you know the biennial world cup is another issue that is one where the clubs are battling with the governing body saying what the heck we don't want this well you
1: know the governing bodies too are you know self-serving so many times and all the kickbacks that they're taking and yeah, the players want it on another level but I tell you something there is a lot of legal uh things going on in the world of soccer everything you just thrown at us today doc I'm gonna have to uh I'm gonna have to just start cramming for the test because that's a it's a lot of information to take but uh, you know look it's it's in the uh, zeitgeist here with uh, with America and soccer now it's all it's all good I guess uh we're we're a part of it so um I thank you once again for joining us on over the ball and just getting us up to date on on all this stuff. I, uh, we want to reach back out to you when this when this continues because look, I think you know you touched upon it. This is really uh, important for the game as a whole in this country. It's 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 grassroots that are built, but it comes that money from the top down, and so um, it's you know big some big ramifications here for the future of the game, which you know you you have been a part of. So, uh, Professor Bank, thank you so much for joining us on Over
0: the Ball, and uh, we'll talk to you again. My pleasure. Thanks for having me.
1: All right, guys, always great to talk to Professor Bank. Uh, Wouldn't you love to have had a professor like him in college, guys? Oh, my God. I would have been far smarter, I think. They should reach out to him for a little eh? because he's so like balanced and just, you know, I I tell you, it's so hard as a soccer player to sort of, you know, so many people, especially Sam, you're younger, but Grail and I like growing up, just the stuff that's thrown at you because you're a soccer person, unsupported in so many ways, how we've had a fight for so long to, to build this game up in this country. And then it just always breaks my heart when you see that we're we're sort of, you know, I've seen the enemy and it is, it is us kind of thing We're, we're going at each other. It's sort of terrible. Uh, and no balanced. And again, I think, and I didn't bring it up with the professor because I've, I've said it before. I think there's a sort of a hangover from the sort of title nine mentality in college to the move to pro sports. And then the difference between a pro sport and then one that's a nationally sanctioned body. Uh, it's very convoluted. And so we're, we're seeing that Play out here, so yeah,
2: uh, anyway. yeah. Uh, on the end, just quickly on the NWSL stuff, I did read a quote from Megan Rapinoe. It was either from today or yesterday. Oh, where she, said, she said, "Burn it down." So she's basically between Megan yeah. uh, Rapinoe and Why Don't you uh, retire. You know so. some of the other uh, Alex Morgan and stuff. I mean, they're just beside themselves. Uh, by the way, understandable. What is, what is understandable? It, no, no, stuff. I don't think it's understandable. No, no, no what, this is what, about what the NWSL. You, this is oh, about the. Well, burn
1: it down. You know, look. You know, part of the problem with the men's league was the same
2: thing. With how many leagues right. did we have before? Uh, you know, it worked. I'm not saying that literally. I'm um, in sport of burning it down. I can see why they are irate. The the the. I think the bigger issue, the shoe that hasn't dropped yet, are sponsors. And if they have sponsors start peeling off, then the league has real trouble.
1: Yeah. And this is at a time where, you know, sexism, racism, homophobia, everything's being called out constantly. uh, And that was a positive, you know, but I think what, what, what they don't realize is I think what men went through in the professional leagues as a soccer player, it was always uh, it was us against the world trying to get a game. And, you know, I'm, I'm playing for 250 bucks a game, put my knapsack on my, it was, but I loved the game and I played for the love of it. And I couldn't demand money because there was no support there. That's just the way, and the league basically built up. Now, can I look back and say, ah, oh, shit, man, I wish I was playing now so I could make some money and, and, you know, have a career, but I couldn't at the time. Yeah. So, you know, I think, the, the building of the league takes some time and a lot of the players went overseas right away. Uh, there's no real competition internationally for some of these games that they play in. It, it was like a, talked about it last week, sort of a Harlem Globetrotters thing, this little tour. So I don't, I don't know. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's unfortunate because they're just beaten up on the game that we love. And I think the guys have been smart in the sense that they've just not said much other than support. And we're, we are all on this show for, for equity, you know, um, you know, make it equal. So I guess the professor talked about what that is and how you define make that it that equitable, not equitable. equitable. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So, uh, Sam, what are your thoughts on the Europa League in the defense of the Europa League? I know you wanted to mention that we didn't get a chance at the top of the show.
3: No, that's all right. Yeah, so I got a quiz that sort of plays into that a little bit, but okay. uh, I I just wanted to talk about watching the Europa League this week and how enjoyable it is to me. And I know it's a, a much maligned competition here. Um and, you know, and in Europe it certainly doesn't have the, the pull of the Champions League obviously. But uh I I really enjoy it and I think it's a really fun way to see some of these smaller teams and I think the play is 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 much different but in a way it's more fun to watch at times i think mm-hmm. because there's mm-hmm. not this like spectacle attached to it i mean i sometimes yeah. feel when i'm watching mm. the top teams play chelsea uh chelsea UVA, for example this week what little bit i saw of psg man city it feels like kind of Like, everyone is a luxury player, as it Mm. were. And uh, these games feel more competitive and a little fiercer, I feel like, in a neat way. And I also like, you know, because everyone, a lot of people complain about how homogenous the Champions League has become uh, in terms of who advances from the group stage, etc. It's the same, like, eight or ten teams every year. This, to me, looks like what the European Cup, sorry, this being the Europa League, is kind of like what the European Cup used to look like and that Mm there's teams from all over the continent playing competitive games. Um, You know, I watched two games yesterday. Uh, Spartak Moscow beat Napoli and then Lokomotiv Moscow played against Lazio and Lazio won so two Russian teams in Italy and two different results so it's cool there's like there's a nice balance to it Um, and anyway my theory is that people don't like it because you know most people just root for the big teams anyway and yeah if you know Man City are in Europa League it's depressing and they're putting out their B team and nobody cares but for people who are fans of some of the smaller teams uh, I have your back so that's all I mean
2: it's more about playing the game and and less about you know the battle of the systems i feel mm-hmm. like the big game well, the stars are the battle, battle of the of network the stars. systems it's like the system it's pep system mm-hmm. against pochettino system and it's like the players are just part of the system whereas what you're talking about sam is it's just about the players going out there and playing yeah, yeah, but yeah, you know, I mean, but
1: yeah, but playing within a system, we talked about it at the beginning of the show where you just have to yeah. say Kane's trying to adjust to a new system, but at yeah. the end of the day, he's a player and he, you yeah, know, he'll play his game. So, uh,
3: yeah, all right. One thing I don't like, I don't think the Champions League third place team should be able to go into Europa League the way that they do. I think you should have to stick it out the whole way, but yeah, that's a different topic. And I, I agree. Guess. Yeah. All right, what do you got for us, Sam? All right, so building off that quiz, I've already flunked the uh, the grammar section of
1: the uh, of the show today with my breath. <laughs> there D a D in breath and dearth. You know what? In fact, Sam, I think I've used dearth incorrectly before. I think, I think you already corrected me with your Wesleyan education. There, look,
2: Sam and I are both uh, linguists. <laughs> there are certain words that people um, often use incorrectly that mean the exact opposite of what they think they mean. Right.
1: Way, well, boston Europe has the, the double negative boston has yep. that double negative all the time yeah. uh i love so one person was saying to me um uh prescription i'm like what they're like per prescription." i'm like it's prescription
3: What's yeah it's a good one uh all right so i i got curious about finding out which um are the most followed supported favorite whatever uh clubs in the United States. So which teams worldwide across the world are the most supported here in the US? Mm -hmm. Uh, The best thing I could find on this was what I guess I'll call a study done by a soccer marketing company called Guilt Edge, which is based in Chicago. Oh, it's John Guppy, John Guppy's company. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I'm not slugging them off. Uh, it says they've pulled in a variety of uh, sources to tell a holistic story. They analyzed 142 teams from seven leagues uh, and gave everyone a ranking based on a combination of 2020 survey data. Google Trends Results and Facebook Advertising Reach. So this is for 2020 and this was published in October 2020, which is very important. So we're not completely up to date. So I apologize for that. But as of about a year ago, which club worldwide is the most popular by this metric in the United States?
2: I'm gonna say Man United, say Liverpool.
3: Okay, it's actually Barcelona. Obviously, Barcelona, they are now Barcelona. without Leo Messi, so that may have changed. Yeah. Uh, they're oh, followed the, by Real Madrid at the at number two. I tell you what, in
1: New York City, little, is there kids, a number? Okay. little kids in New York City wear the Barcelona shirt. I see that more than, than anywhere else. Sure. You're
3: mm-hmm. like, yeah.
1: I see a yeah. lot of Man United shirts, too.
3: Yeah. Okay. So coming in at number three overall, which is the most popular Premier League club in the United States?
0: Man I'm going to say Man
3: United. Man United okay yeah that is man united uh at number nine overall which is the most popular
2: north american club in uh, what in the the north American club in the yeah, united states nyfc so uh, the most gonna, popular NYCFC. north american wait, wait. club
3: within the united states Got you.
2: okay i'm gonna go with uh i'm gonna go with red bulls okay it's
3: actually club america uh of liga mx
2: Oh, wow, that, I that was a little there. bit of a trick question.
3: I mean, is Mexico not a part of North of course America? It, it is, is. It is. Now he's now he's getting on us about geography, for God's sakes. <laughs> I, mean, I, I I, I fair, reiterated I very
2: it. Very fair, Sam, but a little tricky. Pretty clearly, I thought. But, <laughs> I wouldn't okay. have gotten Club America anyway.
3: At 12 overall, which is the most popular MLS club?
2: Well, I guess I got to go back
3: to Red Bulls. NYCFC. Okay, L.A. Galaxy. Oh, the Galaxy! That's, oh, that
1: should have been the answer. That's right. That should have been the answer. Uh, they've been around. Good tradition. A lot of
3: winning. Um, big state.
2: Yeah, but some, some also some hard times too.
3: So yeah, again, I'm curious. Yeah. The the Premier League is the the most popular form yeah. league based on these results. But uh, right. I'm well, curious. Which goes to back say... to my
1: Jesse uh, Jesse Marsh argument, uh, Sam. You know, it's just not covered here that much. That's what yeah, yeah. So. You know, look the the negative Bob Bradley stuff got covered more than the positive Jesse Marsh stuff. It's just unfortunate, you know. And plus, as Americans, they're looking to take a shot at us anyway. Yeah. So, all right, I digress. Go so ahead, we got Tyler. Liverpool Man that's City it, this yeah. weekend. Oh, that's the game I'm watching. Uh, Sunday, Sam. I, I'm tempted out. You going to watch that one? You don't watch um, the Premier League
3: very much. Yeah, probably not. That's Sunday afternoon. I mean, there's yeah, there's good, some good. 11.30, okay. Some good City A games this weekend. Uh, Fiorentina-Napoli is a good one. Um, Atalanta-Milan should be good if uh, people want right. to check those out on uh, Paramount+. Plus.
1: All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, this is the hard part about being on the road, all my streaming services, and uh, you got to, I don't know, it's a little difficult. Right? If I forget my computer at a pub,
2: that's a problem. I won't be able to watch oh, and it. And by the way, I would just, I'm going to lay down a prediction. By the next OTB, next Thursday, I think Ronald Koeman is gone from Barcelona. Wow. You've heard it here, folks. You've heard it and, here and, first. And, and the leading contenders are either Roberto Martinez or Javi uh, Hernandez. Those are the two leading wow. candidates for the job. But Martinez would have to leave the Belgian national team, obviously. But well,
1: Good stuff, man. we we'll can have a show on that alone. So, uh, yeah. all right, guys, that's all the time we have today on Over the Ball. I'd like to thank our guest, the good professor, Stephen Bank. Uh, for Sam Griswold and Grail Howland, I'm Kevin Flynn. And we'll talk to you next time on OTB.